Hi there, and welcome to Free Indeed, a podcast about winning the fight against pornography through faith in Jesus. Today, we're going to be interviewing Cameron. So hello, Cameron. How are you doing today? Good to see you, Matt. Yes, and it's good to be on this podcast together. Um, It'd be great to hear something about you, Cameron, where you're from. I can hear an accent, um, what you do for a job, your church background, um, how you came to faith in Jesus. It'd be brilliant to get to know you a little bit before we get going. Great. Well, I am, well, I'm 52 years old. I'm from Fife in Scotland, Glasgow born, I have to say. And, um, but I, now I have been living for half my life, 26 years in England, uh, almost exclusively London. And I am now a vicar, have been a vicar for 16 of these years in Shepherd's Bush. And the, uh, I came to faith when I was tiny. I was five years old. And uh, I was having a bedtime story from my father that he was making up out of his head. And it was the, uh, I can't remember all the details, but I do remember there was just this sense of this, this, this individual, probably a little boy like me, going through um, a real change that happened when God was in his life compared to before. And the, uh, I, something made me want to, to have that for myself. So at the end of the bedtime story, Although part of me thinks it was just me trying to extend the bedtime, to be honest. Um, I uh, asked my dad if it could happen to me. And so I, with my dad's help, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And um, as I explained in the last episodes, uh, we're going to be looking uh, at different aspects of pornography in these next few episodes. We're going to be interviewing people who have like a unique um perspective on pornography and you mentioned that you're a vicar and so that's part of what we're going to be looking at today is the biblical theological um things around pornography but also thinking about um the how can we help people how can we help people who are captives to pornography how can we help people who are stuck in addiction to pornography and so it's great to have you and so my, my first question to you would be um what is your personal experience of pornography? What, where are you coming from on this issue in terms of personally? Mm, okay. Well, very quickly, I'll give you a timeline. Um, I was 10, 11 when I was shown um, a Playboy magazine by older lads in a boys' brigade cap. And I was at an age where it meant nothing to me, but sheer appallment, really appalled that... Um, you know, women would be photographed naked. It just, I thought, how, how can that be? My experience of women was my mum and, and, uh, uh, and other people's mums. And, and, and it, just, it just made absolutely no sense. Five years later, I was age 15, um, 15 and a half or something. I was round at a friend's house with, with two other lads. I think it was three, four of us in total. And I, the, the friend, I think to show off, uh, took a key out, unlocked a drawer, pulled out a magazine that had uh, men and women at it. I think it was a Continental magazine. And um, the a couple of lads had a look and were like, oh, yeah, 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 and then went back to the computer game. And then I had a look. And I think I looked at it for maybe five, maybe 10 minutes. And the images stayed in my head, utterly shocked me. Um, mm. It wasn't so much that it excited me. It just really, really shocked me to see um, grown people um having sex and i was i went around for quite a few days wishing i could tell someone and to this day i regret not um going to my father about it 
or my mum because they're very good relationship with them uh they they were christians mm. and i know that they could have particularly my dad i think could have really helped me and i carried it myself um for many years um anyway it was i 19 couple of instances in the student flat i was in where lads i was sharing with um had videos on and um Again, I, particularly as a Christian and known to be a Christian in the flat, um, although I could see there was a bit of intrigue going on, um, not enough for me to, to simply, uh, I just walked out each time. And um, then many, many years later, uh, in really in, what am I now, I'm 52, I guess my 40s, so in my vicar years, I'd heard so much about internet pornography mm-hmm. that uh, one day, I thought, well, it'd be good to just see what's going on here, um, which I don't think was the cleverest of moves. But <laughs> I remember having uh, the uh, finding a couple of sites and again, just being appalled that there was so much available. And, um, you know, I didn't look for, you know, terribly long. This is just a world which is just so huge and actually so far away from a Playboy magazine age mm-hmm. 12. And, you know, it didn't even really register with me. And the uh, then recently... I saw some t- statistics which shocked me. And uh, my understanding of them is that up to 40% of women and up to 60% of, of men in churches, in a church setting, will look at pornography, whether that's semi-regularly or regularly. And so when I saw a course ooh, in January on the Church of England Vicar's website, uh, saying there was this course you could do for um, helping people with pornography addiction. I thought, well, I must sign up. So your personal experience of pornography is, is very limited, but um, one of the things that I know you know a lot about is what the Bible says about anything and everything. So what does the Bible actually say about pornography? And are there any instances in the Bible where we could refer to it as pornography? Obviously not in the sense that it's, you know, the internet wasn't around or um, anything like that. But is there any instances in the Bible where we could say something around something around the narratives around pornography is going on in, in, in scripture? Yeah, there's definitely lots of things from Genesis chapter two, when the ideal situation um, for sex is uh, spoken of uh, about between the, the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, and um, the ideal for that. Um, there's... Uh, some interesting things in First um, Corinthians, around about chapter five, chapter six, about sexual immorality. Um, Jesus implicated um, the uh, that marriage between a man and a woman was a good context for sex. But in terms of this deeper, murkier subject of pornography, I think one of the most powerful passages is in the Old Testament, and it's um, two Samuel chapter eleven, where David. King David is on his palace. I'm just going to read these 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 two or three verses, if that's okay, Matt. Please do. Um, and uh, let me read. In the spring, this is 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. 
she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Now, that's interesting, particularly with regards to pornography, because here's a situation where someone's eyes got them into trouble. And at first they saw, then they inquired, then they encountered, then they did, and they were in a huge mess. But in terms of just pornography itself, what I find it, the, the biggest telltale is in that first verse. When kings go off to war, David sent someone else. And, and the verse ends saying, but David remained in Jerusalem. Really, he should have been somewhere else. So I just leave that hanging for a minute. And another interesting thing is Ephesians chapter 5, where it says this, verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light. Now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but mm-hmm. rather expose them. And here we go. Verse 12, Ephesians 5, 12. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And again, I find the context of that little passage from Ephesians 5, uh, the interesting thing. I, I, I know I sort of stopped and highlighted verse 12, the sort of the commandment, the no, no, naughty, naughty, but it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But the context of this is about making decisions in advance about who you are. Mm. It says in verse 8, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So I think that says a lot to us there. Uh, and both these two passages have got very interesting context, contexts, not so much the actual command or the moment of wrong itself. Um, so so the, I, I think we need to be, you know, Scripture's got a lot to offer us. Um, and one of the interesting things about the two Samuel passages that you, you spoke about the process, but one thing that, um, that happens afterwards is that he tries to conceal what he's done. He tries to hide what he's done by having um, Uriah and Bathsheba's husband killed. So again, very much part of the process of pornography is, you know, trying to hide from other people, trying to hide uh, what we've done and doing do, going to very extreme lengths to conceal um, what we've gone on. I, um, you know, so I did, in my Vicky, as I said, I, 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 I looked it up. Uh, I did go back again once. It was interesting because the first time was just sheer exploration. I thought, you know, after I'd done it, I thought, gosh, I, you know, let's just get off this thing. That, that wasn't the right thing to do. It was later, I went back to another time and the, um, the you know, there was more than one instance and the, it was in a moment of real weakness. And this is where I learned the real lesson. And it was that I, um, <clears throat> I saw just how much this thing could possibly become an addiction. You know, I have a glass of wine. A week later, I have a glass of wine. And, you know, that's, that, that, that does it for me. For me, I can't quite get the thing how it would become an addiction. I think if I was doing it every day, it would easily. But with this, I thought, gosh, the lure was so fast, so quick. And essentially, it was such a pack of lies mm. of I mean, what I was seeing on screen was true and was, was right. And the feelings inside me were strong and, 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 you know, they weren't made up. But that's the thing. The enemy wants to take things right out of context and put them somewhere they shouldn't be. And I could see very quickly, it was the second one. I thought, this, even for me, you know, could 
very quickly become something that's you know an awful thing. And I, I, my my wife, I, I I told my wife about these instances. It wasn't until uh, quite some time later um, I said to her, actually quite recently, and 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 I said, you know, I've, I've been on porn, I've been on more than once, um, but you know, here's what happened, and here's what freaked me out. And um, the uh, it's that concealment, it's that hidden thing. Uh, one of the things I admire about you the most, Cameron, is your openness and 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 want and wanting to talk about this issue as a vicar. Um, my experience has, has been that not all church people, not all vicars, are as open and willing as you to talk about it. So, what what are some of the biggest barriers in talking about porn in the church? You said before that forty percent of women and sixty percent of men are watching it. So why aren't we talking about it more? Why is it not something we talk about all the time rather than sort of on the periphery? Barriers to talking about them in church. Very good point, because it's not really spoken in church very much. It is in places and actually churches where this happens and it's opened up, there can be some very helpful healing. The reason there's barriers is that um, probably the first thing you, you're kind of half touching on there is that leaders probably don't speak on it very much or um, very often. I have to hold my hand up and say that I don't do that terribly much. I have done, um, but I could make a little bit more of and more of it. And actually, one of the first things I thought was when I came off the when I finished the that whole day on um, the um, the porn course, I um, thought, gosh, you know, I need to, to work out ways of, of saying this. And you know, I've got one or two things that I'm yeah, looking at now it was very recent this course so I'm still reflecting on it but the uh, the one or two ideas that I think but I think the barriers are people don't really talk about it um very much in terms of the leaders aren't setting the example uh, necessarily and giving permission because when a leader speaks and starts talking about something the uh it, you know it, it, if the leader flags it up every second month um or even once a quarter people will start saying gosh you references that relatively often that's interesting mm -hmm. yes he does doesn't it you're so right suddenly there's a conversation going there and it's because the leader referenced it um not that often but and often enough for even people just to remark on how often he he did uh and something gets going uh another bar barrier is the sheer embarrassment of it people do not like to talk about what might be called in old language sins of the flesh They'll be honest about how they were bad tempered. But talking about things like that takes a little bit of guts. And it always takes one person to be brave enough to start it. Uh, two people never start it simultaneously at the same second. It's um, one person. And uh, that takes bravery. The situations I've seen being part of where that's been started, it's always ended with the, the people that are in this, you know, being in a group or, or me or whatever, saying to the other person, gosh, thank you. That must have taken guts to share. Inwardly thinking, gosh, if I'd started it, would I have started it? It'd take a lot of guts. So it's mm. leaders, it's embarrassment. And I think a word that you've mentioned, Matt, when we've spoken is shame, because this thing of not just the embarrassment, the stage for everybody looking and thinking, that's not what you're supposed to do, is mm. it? And you feel very subconscious uh, and shameful about it. And that can be a downfall of the Christian world, that shame is attached to various things. When in fact, Jesus brings forgiveness and freedom to every area. And that area, too, must be conquered. You mentioned before that you did, you've done a course in terms of pastoral work with people who struggle with pornography. Um, so this is the sort of time to flex those 
the, the, that knowledge and that information. Um, so, like, how do we support people who are struggling with pornography use? We've spoken a lot in these podcasts about um, how do we support ourselves, as in, like, how do we rid ourselves of it? But how do we also help other people if someone comes to us in like a church context or outside of church context how do we have these conversations um and how do we support people who are who are really struggling yeah indeed well there's 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 things that that um everybody can do there's also it has to be said there's an area of specialism here um where a certain proportion of people that are in a pornographic addiction just like any addiction um a good number of them will perhaps need particular special help and that can be as simple as having an arranged chat with someone who might not be a trained professional but someone they really trust who can regularly keep them accountable but uh the 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 truth is that people need it's this thing of permission people need um support they need help they need permission again a leader needs to initiate a church leader needs to initiate or in the home setting um if, if, if it's mom or dad um, or both, you know, parents can be extremely good at raising this subject, extremely bad at raising it because of embarrassment and all the other things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But parents can be good at raising this. I didn't go to my father age 15 when I was freaked out by 10 minutes of something I wished I'd never seen and mm-hmm. didn't actually ever go back to. Um, but the it, it dealt me a huge blow, actually, psychologically, every Every hour for the next few days, I was, you know, these images came to me, um, not as an excitement or a let's see more or hey, what a great world that's opened up for me. But but it really just freaked me uh, in a way. It just wasn't part of, uh, of me and, and, and I didn't like it. And uh, my dad could have helped. Um, the getting a bit more into the, the, the specialist stuff, the um, it's very good to have groups of people. Now, this again doesn't need professionals. Um, I was saying specialists, but a group of people is more of a specialist thing simply because it's an arrangement of a bunch of people, maybe friends. If you know, if it's it could be 17, 18 year olds, um, that, that agree together, um, to, to pray for each other, to talk about this kind of thing, um, to look at what the Bible says. Often good to saddle up to maybe a senior person. Um, mm-hmm. someone in the 20s or 30s, a youth leader, um, or just someone they trust. It could be one of their dads, or it could be um, could be a vicar, I suppose. And um, just someone who can just give them one or two pointers and, and guides in the whole thing. Something that I remember from 25 years ago, um, when I was working as um, the 11s to 14 specialist at HTB, I remember going on a men's breakfast and we talked about pornography. We talked about pornography in a big group setting. And the big question was, how do you, as a single man, satisfy these urges that come to you? And I remember a guy saying, one thing I do is I go to Hyde Park regularly. I look at the trees, I spend time. And if it's hot, I'll lie down and, you know, I'll see the sky and the trees and the, uh, and take in some of the beauty. And I find that God has given me such a desire for his creation that that mm. is satisfying. Something I personally have found is that um, the, you know, everyone talks about reading the Bible and then spending time praying to God and asking him for help. And you can certainly pray 
um, for him to take away addiction to any kinds of things till the cars come home. But we are meant, <laughs> and the Bible is so full of this, we are created beings that whose ultimate design and spec is to praise God. And I think that has been forgotten and is missing from this thing of you've got to do your daily time with God. Read the Bible and pray. Read the Bible and pray. Actually, why have we forgotten about adoration? Why have we forgotten about praising him? And 15 minutes of that. And I'm transformed. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got to do scripture as well. You can't just do the expressive and exper experiential stuff. But we've been designed for things that I think are unexplored to a very large extent. And when they're explored, some of these darker things get pushed away. Um, my final question, and thank you so much again for your um, passion, your wisdom in, in this area. It's, it's brilliant to hear. Um, is what, how would you like to see the church engage with this issue in a new way? People have got to talk about it. This is a repeat because it's got to come from uh, what I find very uncomfortably sometimes described as the top, and that's the leadership. Uh, I, people say, oh, Cameron, you're at the top of your church. I'm not. I'm the chief foot washer. It's got to come from leadership level. So I think quite a lot do. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not some kind of great guy that's done it once recently or anything. You know, it, it does come out, but it's got to be regular. Permission has got to be given, but it's got to be shown that the Lord Jesus Christ can untangle the huge mess of addiction that for some people can be several hours on a daily basis that they can still hide from pretty much everybody that Jesus can untangle that. And the Bible shows us how he can do that kind of thing, but you need help, but you'll never go to anyone if no one's given you permission. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Cameron, for your time. And um, I hope this blesses all the people who are listening and um, hope to see you soon.